the, the faces you're talking about, people are, are obviously disgusted at how horrible I look in person. <laughs> and, I, and I can tell you why that is, it's because I wake up at 4.30 in the morning uh, to do this, this show of mine, and it's been going on for a couple of years. But I am not going to be uncharitable to Bojo. I will not be talking about myself, which is what you did. I will be talking. <laughs> I will be talking about you, because that's what the media business is from my side. From a PR side, he's doing exactly what he is is the best at. Um, from my point of view, all I care about is the audience. If I don't make the show relevant and interesting and funny and inspiring and entertaining to you, I don't have an audience. I don't have a job. It doesn't matter how much spin I put in it, I can hire to Bojo, there's fuck all he can do for me. <laughs> so we have to get that right from the start. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot that now that I'm on uncensored internet radio, I can say what I like. I used to work up the road here at the SABC. I can't tell you how happy I am that I don't have to be there anymore, uh, paying seven rand a day to park at the place I work. I can't tell you how happy I am not to have management who knew nothing at all about the media business telling me what they thought I should do. None of these people could gather a following if you gave them breath, brains, and legs. None of them could even get, without the legs, what Oscar Pistorius got right on February 14th last year. The media business, alright, now. You, you may think I'm being shocking and horrifying for the, for the purposes of making you listen, but the media business is not just about getting your attention. It's about providing something useful or entertaining or interesting to people. Look, everywhere you go there's free media, and we're bombarded with free content in every possible direction. Television is free, and a lot of it should be. Um, radio is free, <coughs> a, lot of, a lot of other mediums, whether we're using books, Thankfully, we're starting to find more and more South Africans have access to all kinds of media than they've ever had before. But that's good and bad. It gives you huge options, which is always much better than having fewer options. But it makes it much more difficult for any of us in this room to choose what we are going to listen to, what we're going to watch, what we're going to read, what we're going to do, because we have limited time. And we all actually have to do what we have to do to earn a living every day. And sometimes that isn't in the media business. And what you've got to do is find a gap that's authentic and that's you. When you weigh up whether or not it's worth your while to have the media as your area of expertise or as your area for business, think about what you can do for other people. Think about what you can provide for other people. Is it to make them laugh? Because that's good enough. People pay a lot of money to have you make them laugh. Is it to inspire them? Uh, probably the most successful person in media history is Oprah Winfrey. All she does is inspire people. I mean, I can't watch it. It's horrendous. <laughs> but our housewives love that stuff because they've got very boring uh, husbands who come home very late at night and if they're lucky, they want sex. If they're not lucky, they don't. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey makes them think that they can be like Oprah Winfrey. And most of them can't. But they live in that illusion for as long as Oprah will let them live in it. And she lets them have access. And she lets them have access to her world, which is a very exciting world. And middle America, black and white, all those women watch Oprah. And she's a tremendously powerful, tremendously smart, incredibly influential woman. 
So although it's not my cup of tea, she found her niche and she decided in around about 1987 that what she wanted to do was not to do what everyone else was doing and go for the ratings, that she was going to go for delivering some kind of value that wasn't being delivered by anybody else. Because at that stage there were a lot of shows like Donahue and uh, Jerry Springer and shows that were doing crazy stuff. They were bringing like inbred white people on and making them fight and that kind of thing. <laughs> And it was great for a while, but Oprah realized that what she could do is deal with people's problems, talk about them authentically, get people in to help and advise those people, talk to celebrities about their lives and make them sound as normal as possible, so that ordinary people could feel that they could connect with those people. So she made herself a gap, and she's the best at it. There are also all kinds of other people that you can grab examples from in the media business, but the overwhelming consistency that you'll find across the board is that the people who care about their audiences are the people who do well. So as much as Tabor was absolutely right to talk about positioning and branding and all those things that have become essential, that's why you can't go on Twitter or Facebook and say something racist or stupid, because it will inhibit your ability to get a job one day or to be thought of as a serious person, to be taken seriously, even in a ridiculous business like the media business. You have to think about every single thing you do now as if you were, and because you are, the CEO of yourself. Not as someone who can just do what they want. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't go out on a Friday night and push out of a storm and fall down and occasionally have uh, random sex with someone you might should not really have. Um, you've got to live, but you've also got to be authentic. The only thing I can say that I've done, and this is the only part I'll talk about myself throughout the course of this conversation, the only part of this that, that I think relates to me is that I've always been true to myself. What you said to Boko is spot on. You must do what you say, you must say what you do, and that is integrity. If in any one of those combinations, if you're not doing what you're saying or saying what you're doing, you're fake. And I can't be fake for three hours a day, five days a week on radio. Especially now when I'm doing three hours of talk a day. It was easy when I was at 5 FM to do 10, 15 minutes of content a day. And even though I did it for seven years, if I wanted to be fake and I was a really good actor and I didn't care about me, I could have pulled that off. But I, don't, I never wanted to. I never used a, a fake name on air. You know, a lot of people have like a Gareth C or whatever the fuck that is. It's, it had to be Gareth Cliff. I mean, that's my name. I don't love my name, by the way. I hate my name. But it had to be me. And you've got stories. Everybody in this room has got a story to tell. Everybody in this room has got some value to add. If you are true to yourself, please believe me, people will pay attention. Because that integrity shines through. And I'm not saying it shines through for me, but it shines through in the examples that Tabor gave of Madiba. Um, of, of people like that, of, of incredible caliber, just the kind of guy who he knew. I mean, he was sitting there in the most arduous circumstances for years. Um, and I'm sure to him, sitting in that prison cell, he wished he could still be walking between Alex and the Joburg CBD, rather than in the quarry or in the cell. It gives you perspective, but he never ever changed who he was to suit an audience. He never changed who he was to get a deal. He never changed who he was to impress anyone. 
If I make enemies, if I upset people along the way, I look, I don't want to make enemies, please believe me. I don't go around trying to upset people. But if I make an enemy along the way, it's probably because they don't like what I represent. They don't like who I am or who I want, who I want at my best to be. And those people are not going to be helpful to you anyway, so you've got to let go. But having that integrity is so important, and everything you do in the media business will be scrutinized. If you're a public figure, if you have a thousand followers on Twitter, people, you, and listen, there are days where I wake up and I want to just delete my account on Twitter, because there are people on there who are just vicious and mean and negative and nasty, downright horrible. And I think, why am I putting up with this? I need this. Then I realize, of course, as you will, that they're in the minority. They just they stick out because they're so obviously full of nastiness. And a lot of people would prefer to hide that nastiness because that's not being a psychopath. Um, but you've got to realize also that other people's opinions only count if they can be used constructively. If you can do something together, their opinion counts. If you can do something positive for someone else, their opinion counts. If they can improve you by criticizing you, saying, you know what, you're not that funny, you're not that clever, you're not that interesting, and you go home and think about it and you analyze yourself and you go, they might have had a point, then that is good, not bad. But everything that just sounds like bigotry, racism, hatred, it is bigotry, racism, and hatred, and you can ignore it. And making a scene out of it is going to make you look more sensitive than you should be. So a lot of the time, what I'm trying to say is there's going to be enormous positive energy behind you if you're doing good things. If you're trying to do things for yourself, there's going to be tremendous amounts of, of support and positive. We live in a country which is a very positive place. This is not a negative country. People want to see good things. They want to see things improve. They want to help each other. We've got a sense in this country of everybody's going to get involved to take us up to the next level. So if someone tries to pull that down, pull that back, don't let that distract you from the goal. And really that's all I need to tell you, because the rest of it you're going to ask me questions and I'll answer them. Because then I'll address especially what you need to hear, rather than for me to carry on rambling. I can see some people already falling asleep. <laughs> some people already going, you're kidding, this guy's on the radio for three hours? I'll shoot myself in the head rather than listen to this. <laughs> so, who wants to go with the first question? Don't be shy. You're all smart people, you've got things that you might you might want to make a statement. Go ahead, yes sir. Cameraman. Yes. Uh, I'm Stephen Garrett. My name is Rendani, a student leader here at the university. Yes, Rendani. Um, before I even get into it, just by the way, me and you went to the same high school. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you could have got a much better education, is my thing. I resent my parents, but you probably do too. Yes, go ahead. Uh, just, it's a very simple question. It's based on media. And I mean, it's not in fact that there's a, there's a lot of unethical behavior when, it, when we talk about media. You know, because there's a lot of gaps and opportunities. There's a, when you talk about persuasion, you can do anything, you know, just to make a lot of money. How do you balance that out, especially when you're a young person getting into the media, especially when you're looking for the big gap, when you want to position yourself as as a brand, but to remain ethical, especially as the opportunities come, because the unethical behavior doesn't necessarily start from the person who's getting into the industry. It's already up there. You're right. You know? so how You're right, but it's true for every industry, not just the media industry. Uh, there, are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of sharks. There are a lot of people who will take advantage of everyone here. 
There are a lot of people who will try to get what they can out of you and give nothing back. And that's not business. You know, again, I'll go back to what I said right at the beginning. If you're not adding value to somebody, whether it's a listener, a viewer, a follower, a reader, if you're not adding that value for those people, then you're not in business. You're just a taker. And if you're just taking all the time, eventually the business will run dry. And you may make enough to survive for a couple months after everyone's turned their back on you, but you'll have made such bad decisions along the way that no one will want to work with you anymore. So what I would do is do exactly what I just said about being true to yourself, whether it's on radio or on television, and that is to have that integrity. Ask yourself every step of the way, what do I do here? What is true to me? If it feels like there's a big offer of a lot of money on this side, but it would mean you have to change, or you have to change the relationship you have with the people you need to do business with, and you decide to take the money rather than those relationships that you hold there, you lack integrity. You will you probably make a lot of money, drive a fast car for a while, but you'll end up dying alone, or at very least, you'll become less and less successful as the gradient carries on. If you stick with the, the things that you believe at the beginning that made you get to where you want to want to be, and hopefully everybody's on their way up that ladder already, then you can't go wrong. And don't worry about the, the people who, who are flash about these things. The media business pays terrible money. This is the truth nobody tells you. The only television job in this country that pays, if you're an actor, is soap operas, and it doesn't pay well. People who are on Generations and Sea of the Line can't afford houses. I'm not being horrible, that's the truth, you can ask them. They can't afford to pay their bond. There's no money in that. If you want to present a TV show, well, you're going to be replaced by some kind of animated character in about three, four years' time. It's a dead-end career. If you want to be a DJ, line up behind the 100,000 other people who have a pair of CD players and a couple of USB sticks and get in line. Because the only people who make money there are, are people like Fresh and Euphonic, and at the time when I was there, me, because you're on radio. They're not, paying for you. They're not paying for you to play music. Nobody cares about the DJ at most parties. They're all drunk. So being a DJ is not a career prospect, even if you're really talented. Believe me, that, that sun is setting on that business. And I'm relieved I don't have to do gigs every Friday and Saturday night. I can actually spend time engaging with people like you, rather, than, hey, what did you say? I can't hear you on the music. Yeah, I have three more of those drinks. That's good. She's looking nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then drive home drunk and crash. So, in terms of radio, which is something I am excited about, what we've just done is I've just launched my own online radio station, which is not just an online radio station, because my show is also on TV. Um, we're also doing a, a, a very interesting thing with a mobile partner, WeChat, where we can, you can now get it on mobile. And really, this is the future, because... If you don't have something on your phone, it doesn't exist. This is the one piece of equipment you carry with you wherever you go. Everyone in this room has a phone, right? And everybody in this country has a phone, according to statistics. In fact, there are more phones than people in South Africa. That's, I'm not making that up. Data usage went up 95% Vodacom released in their, in their report just two days ago. 95% more data has been consumed than last year. These are incredible growth rates because people are getting their music they're getting their movies, they're getting their TV series, they're getting their communications with their friends, they're getting their uh, naked pictures from their friends, and everything else on these things. So if you're not on here, you're not in the media business. 
you're in some old relic of the old traditional media that no one will be spending money on in five years' time. So it was important for me to get onto that. And because the internet is the future, for all content, and that all content eventually will have to be free, all of it, that is where we need to be if we want to be in the media business. If you sell music, if you're a music artist, a musician, your days are numbered. <laughs> Unless you're prepared to offer it for free and make money, money off performances, endorsements, merchandising, those are the only places you're going to make money. Because selling CDs, who, who's bought a CD in the last month? Put your hand up. Well, Tim, well, you, know, you can afford it. But 99 to 199 to 299 rand for an album that you could download for free illegally, please do me a favor. <laughs> Someone teach Tabor how to use the internet. <laughs> so what's left for us in the media business is what I started here. Because on the first day, I said, I'm going to do my show from 6 to 9 in the morning. That's going to be what I do. We're going to make that commercially viable. There are lots of people who want to spend money because we've got an audience. I can bring an audience. If I bring an audience, people will want their product in that conversation so that they can sell it. And we sold with Hirsch's 400 TVs in a week worth 4,000 odd rand each. That's a lot of money. MTN have done this deal with us where we can do free data. If you buy a 15 rand internet services package on MTN, you get free Cliff Central streaming for the whole month. They sold 125,000 of those in one week because people want to hear obviously what we're doing but it's not about me because I make the show about them and what we're doing after nine and what we did from day one this is where I am excited to tell you this is we had auditions live on-air auditions until six in the evening we had a thousand five hundred applications from all over this country people drove up from Durban people caught buses and taxis People flew up here. Celebrities who are working, who have currently have jobs on FM radio, came to audition and stood in the queue like everybody else. Because they know that this is an opportunity for them to do something completely unhinged, to have creative freedom like you would never get in radio. Because if I didn't have to play a song, I had to go to a commercial break. If I didn't have to play a song or a commercial break, I had to do news, traffic, weather, sport. There was no chance for me to connect with my audience. It became boring. I became boring. Not the show. The show's ratings were great. Everybody was listening. I was very thrilled. And by the way, if you did listen, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. But come. Come with me into the 21st century and leave this old, tired, boring radio business behind. The nice thing, the nice thing for you is that what I'm building there's no limit to how big we can make it. And I say we because all these people who auditioned, a lot of them showed the potential to be able to host their own shows, to be able to do things that have never been done on radio before. And if this channel fills up and we have 24 hours a day, then I'll open another one. And I'll open another one after that. And we'll have a kids channel with an X-rated adult channel. And we'll, have a, and we'll have a channel where people get medical advice and legal advice and business advice and PR advice and you can all have shows and I'm not kidding this is something we're going to build and I'm going to make this monstrous not because I want to make money but because South African listeners deserve a better option than all this over commercialized nonsense they're listening to so, what I'd like to do at this point is to 
thank and congratulate Renault because without this kind of corporate sponsorship, these sorts of things don't happen. We can have this conversation, maybe I'd talk to just the people at this table if I met them out one night. But the fact that we can all be in one place, hear from someone like Tabojo's experience, who's done what he's done, who's achieved what he's achieved, that we can share questions and answers as we will continue with in a moment. How much time do I have? Have I got another five, ten minutes? Let's do some more questions. This is very important. So thank you, Rena. Yes, sir. This is off, uh, off topic. Can I ask uh, two questions? Who's Gareth both uh, Gareth Cliff and where can I meet Leanne Mole? <laughs> Leanne, Leanne Mole, you, you probably find her in any bar right now. Because <laughs> she really is an alcoholic. People think she isn't. But there were, there were days when she just got divorced. And she was going through her hardest time where she would drink heavily and I would have to do the six o'clock news. So I'll answer your second question first. As for who, who, who am I? I mean... Are you a cynic or whistleblower, pessimist? Look here, I've laid myself bare for over 12,000 hours on air. And I'm, I'm not going to be who, I, who I'm not. So if you listened for even an hour or two, you'd have a pretty good idea of who I am. I'm cynical. But I'm also a very positive guy. I mean, when I say I'm cynical, I'm cynical about most people's intentions. I'm especially cynical about politicians. Um, because they really do put a spin on things, arriving in overalls and aprons. I mean, I, I, if you just dig under the surface, I had a really interesting hour and a half interview with Julius the Friday before the elections. And he, I'm not saying this to drop names, he calls me from time to time, especially when, when something happens with me, like when I was arrested for speeding. He called me up and he goes, Hello, Jude. <laughs> hey, Julius, how are you? He goes, Do you need a lift to the SABC tomorrow? <laughs> so I said, Yeah, can you come and pick me up tomorrow at 4 a.m.? It's too early. And then he laughs and he and he calls me back when I when I decided to resign from the SABC. He goes, So you and me are both unemployed. Do you want to join the EFF? So I said, How do you know I'm not already a member? Which he liked even more than any other answer I could have given him. But when you talk to him, you get a feeling like, and I really do believe, like I think he has some good intentions. I think all politicians do. But I really think that politicians are parasites. Because what they do is they, they take the mandate that we supposedly give them, which is always, it's always close to like 50% of the country who votes, maybe 70 if you're lucky. But it's never everybody. There's a lot of people in this country who really just don't even want to get their hands dirty by, by going to the, the ballot. I believe in democracy, I vote. But politicians take that and they go, hmm, now I'm going to be in the big time. And they think that's their window of opportunity to take what they can. All of them. The whole lot. I don't trust one single politician. You look at Lindiwe and, and Helen Ziller this week, and it's just disgraceful the way people behave. And these are politicians. You know why they behave like that? Because they've never had a real job. That we pay for them. They're like our children that we never get out of the house. <laughs> so if you ask me who I'm cynical about, it's politicians. The people of this country are good people. Everybody wants a job. Everybody wants to work. Everyone wants to make a contribution. And of course, we all want to live well. So we want to buy things, we want to have a nice house to live in, a nice car to drive, because that makes the process of life a little bit less arduous. But never forget that it's about what you do for other people that gets you the money. And anybody who makes money overnight, 
doing some dodgy deal or whatever, please believe me, as quickly as it comes in, one day it goes. Am I wrong? You all know examples of people like this, I'm sure. I've seen them in my own life too. Another question, is that an okay answer? Were you happy with that? Did I leave too much out? Well, okay. You wanted to elaborate? One? One word. One word. To describe myself, now I hate that question. It's a lazy question. <laughs> because, because if you can summarize yourself in one word, you're a very one-dimensional creature. I, I don't believe anyone here could use one word. If you said, even if you said Obama, I mean, he's many different things. I, I, don't, I don't like that. And never let anyone label you with one word. Never let anyone label you. Don't let them call you... Uh, young, old, black, white, gay, straight, fat, thin. They can, they can take a number and stand in the back of the queue if they want to put you in a box. Because you might prove them wrong every step of the way. Don't let them do that. I'm not saying you were trying to do that. But you, that was a lazy question. You know that. You should be very embarrassed. Uh, I'd like to know, uh, in terms of... You've got a very high voice. Oh, sound engineer. Yeah, sorry. I just Go ahead. In terms of associating your social change message, your message for social change, with your vision uh, for social change to brands without affecting their bottom line. I mean, you say you bring them an audience, but then how do you let them see that your vision for what you want to do, what you want to acquire without it affecting their bottom line? So, well, you want to go with this first because I've, I've got my answer quite simple. I don't let. No, you go ahead. <laughs> okay, so you want to understand how do you um, position yourself or your campaign in a way that doesn't affect an organization's bottom line but remaining authentic? Yes. <clears throat> That's very difficult. Um, it depends what area of business. What area of business are you in? Uh, media. Uh, as media owners. We sell media space on taxes. You see, the problem when you enter the media industry is, is going to be when <clears throat> You're gonna end up. They're gonna end up wanting you to be a puppet. So they're gonna end up wanting to tell you how to do your job. And that's it's very important for you to be able to convince them. You need to be very persuasive and convince them. But another thing, there needs to be principles that you live on that you're not willing to compromise. And for an example, I'll be asked. Let's say I do PR for President Jacob Zuma. And I'll be asked to say, that's not a real pool, it's a fire pool. If you're a person of integrity, you tell him, no, that's a pool. And you get fired. <laughs> and you get fired. So that's what I, that's my advice. Yeah. I, I actually can't, I can't improve on that answer. It's exactly right. You're just going to find that balance. If there isn't a balance, if it makes you uncomfortable, get out. Say no to the money. Um, if Renault sell cars and they want to advertise with me, I'm delighted. If they want to put their message into a 30-second commercial that doesn't even need my involvement, but it gets my audience's ear, terrific, no one needs to get hurt. If they want me to do a live read, and I start laughing at some point in the live read because there's someone flashing outside the studio with their breasts out, and they don't like that, then they've got to realize that what they bought into was a show that's about the audience first, and then that they can get that audience by playing along. Um, and I'm not picking on Renault either. I think that a lot of clients do exactly what Tabopa said. They try to bully you into doing exactly what they want. And you've got to remind them that you know the audience. This is your audience. You know the advertising business. That's what you do. They don't know the advertising business. You 
they can convince you they know your audience better than Sure they can. And then you can, you can say to them, well, in that case, why are you even here? Because you don't need me. Who else has got a question? The side of the room is a bit quiet. I was going to say, thank you. You know, um, you do have people like you that will say that uh, I'm willing to stand by what I stand for, um, regardless of who you are and what you say. But you're going to be around people that want to know why Solange hit Jay-Z. Yeah, that's cool. So, <laughs> if you're going to talk about authenticity and what you can do for people, and you're in an industry that um, is about basically entertainment and mm -hmm. just, you know, tickling people's fancies, how do you keep that balance? Because it's, it's very easy to just jump into Well, you can't preach. I mean, you, you, you can't preach. I, I detest the way religious leaders do preach because they're just using gullible people. And a lot of them are equally used by politicians. You would have seen on the election campaign, religious leaders were everywhere, doing what they're best at, keeping their flock in order, herding people around like sheep, and the politicians were given access to these audiences and they believed every word of it and then they just do exactly what they're told. And I think it's sad. My audience I've never underestimated. So if they tell me something's interesting, I take it seriously. If they want to talk about Beyonce and Solange and Jay-Z, and let's face it, that is entertaining. Even to a CEO it can be funny. Um, it's, it's interesting too because it's about people. But you can never do just one thing. You can never just be a vapid person who talks about entertainment news and gossip and celebrities. Um, because there's no, there's no depth there, there's no value that you're adding. And it goes back to what I said right at the start, that you must add something in return. So if you can, if you're a serious kind of person, you could talk about why it's okay for a woman to lash out at a man like that, but it's not okay if a man lashes out at a woman like that. You could have a whole discussion around gender inequality, you could have a discussion around jealousy. You could speculate about what happened in the lift. It could give rise to a whole lot of topics that have real social value. But you've got to be willing to peel off the layers of the onion to do that. And you've got to know that if you do that, you've got to keep being entertaining. So that you can keep people who don't really want to get into any heavy stuff, you've got to keep them there. But you've also got to give the people who want more. Because most of us are hungry for more info. We're hungry for more knowledge, more wisdom more value. So we've got to give that value too. So if you're just going to go, ha ha ha, Solange, Beyonce and Jay-Z, did you see them in the lift? Wow, that was really funny. And then you play a song. <laughs> if you talk about it though, you go, I wonder what really happened there. And you go into what you think, and you take a couple of calls and some people say, oh, well, he cheated. Or why didn't Beyonce help him? Why didn't she get involved? And you, you, you ask, you say to the audience, is there a is there a possibility that you wouldn't stand up for your man if your sister started attacking? What, what could your sister do? And what could your man do that could have you just stand back while they go at each other like that? And you start talking about stuff like that, it really gets interesting. And you can bring in politics and religion and sex and human relations and business. I mean, what's interesting to me too about these people is that here you have this power couple we all idolize them. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to be Jay-Z or Beyonce? 
And there they are having a fight just like, like two people in Hillbrow tonight. <laughs> it's like, I mean, who hasn't been in a situation like that? You know? I hope that helps, but it's, it's peeling the layers off. It's making it relevant to your audience. Because most people don't know Beyonce and Jay-Z. I mean, not personally. Um, they don't know what happened. We're speculating. So if I don't make it relevant to you and ask you how you might relate to a situation like that, you're not going to carry on listening. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Um, I, I want to ask both of you guys this. Um, we are in a generation where um, us youth are just so talented and we've got so much to offer. And um, the problem with that is that we don't really know where to start, you know, because everyone is doing this. People are just popping like popcorn all over the show. How are you guys ensuring that um, you are driving in this message of authenticity, of being yourself, of um, integrity to other people who are aspiring to fill the shoes that you are filling, to be in the positions that you guys are in, in media, how are you guys ensuring that the new generation that is coming after you guys is going to be developed from you? Well, step number one, we're here tonight, right? Yeah. <laughs> going to start somewhere. But it's in doing, it's what you do. He said it earlier, it's what you do, not what you say. So just do it, demonstrate to people that it's possible. I didn't, I, had, I was producing, I, I first of all got fired on campus radio. Which is not surprising because I've done a lot of outrageous stuff. So I got fired. I went to 702 and I said, I'll take any job. And they put me on to be the early morning producer for John Robbie. It's the worst job I've ever had in my life. I had to wake up at half past two. I had to read through all the newspapers. I had to put it into a couple of pages for him. He'd come in grumpy at half past three. He'd say, well, what, am I, what are we doing on the show? What are we doing here on the show? I, I, I didn't like working with him. He's an angry man. He's got no sense of humor. I'd give him stories about a baboon-proof rubbish bin that some guy invented. And he'd go, I can't be interviewing a guy about a baboon-proof rubbish bin. And I'd say to him, but it's entertaining. And he'd go, no, it's not. I want to speak to a government spokesperson about the white paper before parliament. And I'd think, Jesus, you're poor listeners. <laughs> but it taught me, and I, I, I earned like two and a half grand a month. Didn't even cover my petrol. you got to start somewhere. And eventually, they put me on midnight, and I had to do midnight to four with people committing suicide, and <laughs> drunk people going <laughs> in, mentally ill people calling in. And, and saying they're going to come and kill me at the studio. <laughs> and, and wives who just walked in on their husband cheating on them. And it's like these real stories. And, and that, that was awesome because I could do anything I wanted. That's why I've started what I've done now because that was good radio. Everything in between was commercial and I had to do this and I had to do that. And at this time we had spot breaks. At that time we had to play three songs. Here I had, to interview, I had to interview this person. I don't want to interview someone. Now they walk in, I go, so tell me about yourself. If, they, if they're not interesting, I say, well, it's been very nice talking to you. You can go now. After one question, and they don't know. They think that's all I was ready for. But the audience know that that's what we do. We get rid of someone if they're boring. I, I think that the, the hardest part about being young and talented is that you've got all these dreams and these ideas and every step of the way someone's going to try and 
tell you why it's not going to work. Please don't believe them. Don't give in to that nonsense. If you really think you can do something different, and I don't doubt that there is an amazing talent right here around every table, please don't let someone talk you down. If you want to shoot monkeys out of a cannon, if you want to get a, a support group together for people with really big tits, <laughs> do whatever you want to do. And don't let them throw you off because they say to you, ah, no one will pay for that. <laughs> the media world is becoming more and more democratic. Thanks to the internet. And remember, government can't tell us what to do anymore. Like it did in the 80s under the, the old regime. They've let that genie out of the bottle. Madiba knew what he was doing. They knew what they were doing. They wrote this constitution and they gave us freedom of expression. Our generation will never be told what to do again. This is great. We must hold on to that. We've got to keep fighting back against any encroachment on our freedom of expression. Today we had Julian Assange, who's the founder of WikiLeaks on Cliff Central. He's holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. This guy is... He founded WikiLeaks. He, he's, he goes in on the internet. He hacks into the US government's computers the South African government's computers, and he finds those documents they don't want us to see, and he puts them on the internet for all of us to see. They let that genie out of the bottle, it's never going to be put back in. You can't squeeze it back in. Freedom of expression is ours. Don't ever let anyone tell you what to think. Don't ever let anyone tell you what to say. And if you have a dream, don't let anyone tell you it's rubbish. Please. On that note, I'm going to finish and hand over to Bobo to ask the same question. Thank you. Okay, I think in terms of where do you start? I think your, your question is twofold. Where do you start? And also, what are we doing to spread, you know, the to assist others to succeed? I think, firstly, there's never a, the right time to start. I think you need to just get out there and just do it. Um, like, I mean, let me talk about myself quickly. <laughs> like, the decision to be, to go and campaign for SRC, I never, I never, to be honest, I didn't want to become an SRC member. I was a hip hop guy. I'm sure Renee, you were shocked. I was a hip hop guy. I would wear socks to this level. Bandanas. I was the guy with swag on campus. And out of the blue, this guy said, let's run for SRC. And I said, what are we going to get out of the SRC? And he said, girls. And I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> and it was just out of the blue. Then on the weekend, I asked my parents for money, started the campaign, and we did it. And I ended up doing some great things in the SRC. So I think even starting my business, I registered it while I was working for another company, and I only started to be full-time last year in January, you'll be very shocked. I've only started, this is only my 18th month uh, in business, uh, full-time. And I just decided, you know, I don't like my boss that much. Um, I think I can do the whole strategy from beginning to end, and I'll earn much more money if I'm working um, under my own business for other people. So, out of the blue, my contract ended and I said I'm not going to renew it. 
and I went full time into business, I didn't know where I'm gonna get money from. But if you look at the level of risk and you look at the level of reward, I mean, there's no limit to how much you can fail or how much you can succeed. So just go for it. In terms of what are we doing to give back, I think for me, I don't, well, I don't wanna change, I'm not gonna try to change the world. Um, I can't, I don't have the resources, I don't have the time, I'm not smart enough to change the whole world, right? But there's one thing that has benefited me a lot in life, and that's reading books. And I started reading a book, I say, 2012, and all I'm saying is, pick up a book and read for leisure. I wasn't aware, and while we were getting tens and thousands of followers, I wasn't aware that reading for leisure is actually the single most important indicator of a teenager's future success. I wasn't aware of that. I just knew that reading is highly beneficial and people don't read enough. So we're making a big impact in society and if there's one thing that I could, that I would like to leave is, if it's a legacy or whatever it is, it is that it's important to read books. And that's it. If, if that's one message I could give to you, that's the message I'll give to you. But I will also tell you, now. I'll add on what Gareth Tiff, um, said. Um, I think there's, they, I, I don't, I don't wanna simplify success, because success is many, all of us here are successful. I mean, there are people who are gonna sleep tonight not having, not knowing what they're gonna eat, not even knowing where they're gonna sleep. So the fact that we're here means that we've achieved some sort of success. But I think there are two things. Know what your talents are, invest in your talent through education, invest in your talent through skills development and gaining experience in the industry, even if you have to do it for free. And then I think if you don't give up after investing in yourself, there's a 95% chance that you'll succeed. Because there were months where I didn't know how I'm gonna pay my rent. There were months where they wanted to repossess my car. Now, I mean, the, the guys who wanted to repossess my car offer me more credit, you know? So that's what I'll say. I'll say, invest in your talent. Never wait for the right moment to go for it. Just go for it and never give up. I think those are the principles I can